everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of PA Pod. This is your host, James Newman, a PT turned PA student. Today, we're going to dive into the topic of postgraduate work, specifically the field of emergency medicine. I'm very excited to welcome Mariah Ramsey, who will be giving her take on emergency medicine postgrad training, what it takes to apply, and how to figure out if emergency medicine is your fit. Welcome, Mariah. Please take a minute here to tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey everyone, I'm Mariah. I am a PA in Charleston, South Carolina. I am originally from West Virginia where I did undergraduate at Marshall University and then I moved down here to the Medical University of South Carolina where I went to PA school. I did a fellowship there as well in ER and now I work for a private group in Charleston called Roper Emergency Physicians. Um, I'd also say that fun fact, um, I really like to do free clinics, um, global health, missions like that. So that's kind of, I think, where my heart for medicine began. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it takes a big passion to kind of go on and do what we're doing right now. Um, as students jumping into it, like myself, it's, it's kind of like we feel like we're taking on the world and we're really excited. And we look at people like you and we're just, we're aching to be there. You know, you've done it, you put in the work and here you are standing at the top of the game. So we're really excited. Well, we need you. Global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> <Yeah>. More hands. <laughs> um, I didn't actually know you were from West Virginia. I was kind of oh, yeah. thinking myself a second ago for saying your name really country-like there <laughs> in the second introduction. So, you know, I feel like I feel like we're a little bit kin there, you know, being from the, the southern slash uh, country part of the world. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'd say let's just go ahead and dive into it. I think a lot of people are going to be curious as to uh, why you chose this path and how it's going to affect them along the way. All right, let's do it. So let's think back to when you started school at the Medical University of South Carolina. What did you imagine your career path looking like when you started school? You know, I really think that just becoming a PA and getting into school was my goal for so long that I, when I started school, I really didn't see much past that. Um, I did have ER in mind, though. Um, it was kind of always in the back of my head, but I didn't want to um, make that the only goal. I wanted to be open. I wanted to go to each rotation and think, well, maybe this could be the fit for me and kind of explore as I went through school. And I think that's the beauty of being a PA is that we don't have to have the exact plan. We can change it up any year we want to. We can go into a different specialty. We don't have to have that plan for the rest of our lives as a physician would when they, you know, have to make that choice fourth year that they're going to do emergency medicine for the rest of their lives. I kind of liked that. So um, I had ear on the back of my head, but um, I was open and I still ended up in the ER. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and you, you say that, that kind of gives me a little bit of hope when you're saying that, that, you know, you complete this this residency or fellowship would seem to be used interchangeably in the PA profession. You still don't feel tied down to emergency medicine even after completing that? No, not at all. Um, I know it's, it's kind of a, a commitment to take half a salary the first year and you feel maybe at first like, you know, that's got to be your goal for the rest of the life. But no, once you start and your things are fine, you can make the change at any point. And I know I'm, you know, good in emergency medicine now, but I could make the switch and I'd be fine with that personally. 
No, that seriously is good to hear because one of the pools of the profession is exactly what you said. It's nice to have the idea that you can avoid burnout by, I don't want to say jumping around, but maybe pursuing other passions. Yeah, and specifically with emergency medicine, I think burnout's a big topic and, you know, your fast pace, um, seeing some of the populations that kind of wear you down, maybe, you know, the homeless who have SI every other day, things like that. So sometimes those aspects can burn people out. I, this is what I hear, but you know, we have the option to switch it up and then come back in a year if we want to. So I love that. So true. So true. You know, I'm thinking about what you said in your introduction and I'm imagining these free clinic opportunities and this global health outreach and this person, it does seem to be an emergency medicine type situation because when you think about the global health needs and you think about those free clinics, I mean, they're emergent situations that come up with people who don't have a lot available to them. So I guess Mm -hmm. the the question that comes to mind is, is that how you feel like you were shaped into emergency medicine or like, what do you think shaped your path going forward in school? So my mom actually, um, she is a nurse and she um, became a nurse around the age of five for me. So my whole childhood, she went into her first job as a nurse in the ER. Um, And that's kind of what I heard in the evenings, like communicating with my family with stories about the patients my mom saw that day, her debriefing kind of going through what was frustrating or what was funny about her day. So I always had this um, intriguing thought about what ER would be like for me. So definitely my mom. (laughs) And then I did shadowing um, with the PAs and her ER. And it was just kind of always that thought, like, I think this is what I want to do too, because my mom liked it so much. That's definitely, again, encouraging to maybe some other PA students out there who are kind of wondering if it's right to be so single-minded on the way. I say single-minded, maybe just like laser point focused along the way. It's good to see how happy you are after pursuing what you thought you might end up in. Yeah, and then I can also touch kind of on the, you said the global health part of it. Um, Yeah, we do see like a a lot of um, underprivileged people that maybe don't have access to care. So that is a good point that people who can't afford to make a doctor's visit, um, they seem to overutilize the ER, whether that's right or wrong or the best for the system. Um, So we do kind of have some primary care like tasks there. People who don't see receive daily um, or weekly care at all when they have chronic issues that they need to be taken care of. So we kind of have to step up and that shoe sometimes as well. So we see a little bit of it all. Undoubtedly. And you went on a mission trip, right? When you were going through PA school? Yeah, it was so awesome. We went over to Uganda and did OB with several of my classmates and it was the best month. We loved it. Definitely recommend that to anybody who has the opportunity. It's worth it. You should all go do it. (laughs) No kidding. I remember my classmates doing it too. It looked like it was unbelievable. I will definitely be doing it this time around in graduate school. Awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, like uh, looking back again, we're kind of doing everything kind of retrospectively here. You know, what drew you to postgraduate work to begin with? Because you could have very easily just gone and gotten a job in emergency medicine. Yeah, I think it's a very personal decision for each individual. Um, I did not think I would go into it right away, um, honestly. There was the MUSC fellowship for ER that was available, and I knew I was going into ER, and I wanted to stay in Charleston, but I did not apply 
for that round. Um, I really wanted to see, you know, what jobs were out there. What could I get? Um, and the job market in Charleston is really hard. It's very saturated. Um, they can pay us the lowest amount and get whoever they want because they can, because everyone wants to live here. Um, and that was kind of my goal was to be in Charleston, maybe Charlotte, close to home, not too far away. So, um, yeah, sorry, I lost track of where I was going. That's okay. What, what was the question? Uh, the question the is what drew you to a postgraduate work situation to begin with? Okay, so circling back. Um, so when I was looking for jobs, um, I wasn't getting much hits in Charleston like I wanted. And then at the perfect time, the director of the program reached out. He knew I was interested in emergency medicine. Um, and that's kind of when I started doing a little more research on fellowships. And I only specifically looked at Charlotte and Charleston. Gotcha. So you were kind of vetting them out there. Did you think you would ever do any other postgraduate work or was it only emergency medicine at that point? Only emergency medicine. I didn't consider anything else. And at that point, I was only looking at those jobs, too. I didn't really, maybe urgent care, but I didn't really want to go into anything else. I would have sacrificed the city I wanted to be in. And you really can't discredit that. I mean, a lot of healthcare professions have these opportunities for postgraduate work, and there's a lot of things people weigh out. I mean, I think you, you chose a great fit for yourself because you needed the location and it fit where you wanted to be in life. Uh, and it's, there's a lot to think about when it goes into that as people are exploring programs or exploring the specialty they want to go into. So it sounds like you kind of hit exactly what you needed, even though you didn't really know you needed it. Exactly. And I think, I think that's the thing with your decision. You don't always need a fellowship to go into the specialty you want. Um, maybe more of the critical care stuff, um, surgery sometimes. I think those are definitely more beneficial, but when primary care fellowships are popping up. I think that's kind of where you maybe question it a little more. Is this right for me? Because there are so many jobs available. So I just don't, I don't want it to become a thing where it's guaranteed that you have to go into a, a specialty or sorry, a fellowship um, right out of school. Because like I said, that's the beauty of being a PA is not having that mandatory training once you get out of school. So I just hope it doesn't go that route, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've seen that happen similarly in the physical therapy case, and there is definitely an argument on both sides, and it does seem like the more PAs I talk to, the more these post-grad works are becoming available. It's it's tempting, you know, a couple more letters after the name, a little bit mm -hmm. more uh, credentialization you got there, and, you know, you're thinking you're, you're a big hotshot, but truthfully, I know at least in physical therapy, it didn't really affect our pay very much. I can say same for me. Um... I joined a group that had just hired two brand new new grads right out of school right before me and then three of us had came straight from the fellowship. Um, we started out exactly where they did, exactly where the old PAs did. Um, we tried to bargain and you know sell ourselves but it, it didn't help at all honestly. But I can also say you know going to my financial advisors and them working through um, everything with me, they did make a comment, you know, wow, Mariah, like your salary now, like it all paid off, the residency paid off. So um, I guess maybe comparing the higher pay salary to what my um, other fellow students in the area are making, you can kind of say that makes it worth it maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Just got to compare and what's best for you. 
true. And we all know we didn't get into this profession just because we wanted the money. It's it's a no, nice thing to have. It's good to live the life you think you you deserve, but it puts you in the position to help the people that need the help from you. Right. And then just seeing, I guess, the other girls that went straight into Roper instead of the fellowship, you know, they're they're doing great too. So I can't say, you know, like I'm so much better than them because I did this fellowship. No, they're getting good training too. So it's just a different route. Sure. I mean, absolutely. But you can't discredit what you did. I mean, truth be told, I've talked to a couple of people who have pursued the emergency medicine fellowship now, and it seems like it sets you up to be a step above, you know, and I say a step above, not in a condescending fashion, but maybe Mm -hmm. more in a step to be, a leader rather than somebody who needs to have their hand held here and there as you start. Sure. Yeah. We definitely had a lot of exposure compared to, I think some of the community hospitals at the academic center, um, maybe more procedures, seeing more sick people, patients on LVADs, things that we don't always see at the community center where they got their original training. So I think that's definitely a perk seeing the sicker people in the state at the best institution in the state and learning right alongside residents. There you go. Can't beat it. Um, so how did you learn about the postgrad work initially? Was it that moment when you were reached out to? Or you said you knew about it and didn't apply. Yeah, um, I, I knew that it was available going through school, um, and I wasn't considering it at that time. But, yeah, Dr. O'Brien reached out to me, and that's kind of when the switch flipped that maybe that this is the right move now because jobs are so saturated, and I do want to go right into ER. Um, and I think that's a good point to, you know, make it known what you're interested in. Cause one of my classmates, I think had mentioned it to him that I was interested in ER and, you know, have some shadowing done, get to know people in the field so that you have those connections too. Connections always matter, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, <That laughs> makes it harder. Good enough. <laughs> it really is sometimes about the hands you shake in life. Yep. Uh, I guess, I guess elbows you touch. This past year, <laughs> These days, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So let's say a person, a student, is looking at this postgrad work. Like, where would they go to potentially look for residencies, or I guess fellowships, postgrad work, however you want to term it? Yeah. So I just started with Google myself. Um, there's, uh, I think, some random websites that'll have a list of all of the ones available. Um, and like I said, I was only interested in specific cities. So I, I looked at Atrium Health in Charlotte and then um, MUSC in Charleston. And then you can go right on the website, read all about the curriculum, how they do it, how many they accept. And then any questions that aren't answered on there, just reach out to the program directors. They're all very kind and friendly and will answer all the questions you have. That's nice. Takes a little bit of pressure off. And in, in the vetting process there, so how does this work? Is it is it an electronic system that you're applying to and you send in your application? Or is it literally like applying to a job and showing up for an interview? Yep, it's just like a job. Um, so I think once Ed reached out to me, I received, you know, all the HR stuff. So sending in my CV and filling out the online application and from that point it just feels like any other job there's not um a group system together for all applications like it was applying to PA school it's all very separate 
timelines are all very different. Um, for my year at NUSC, we had two cohorts, like one started in October, one started in December. So everyone's doing their own thing. So just really being on top of like looking at the program, having those dates in mind on when you need to look and apply because everything's very different. Let's, uh, let's keep it right on that emergency medicine trail here. Like, what are some questions you think are good for PAs pursuing emergency medicine to ask those program directors? Sure. So um, I would first say, like, you know, how are we going to learn? How's our first day going to go kind of thing? Um, are you going to be one-on-one -on -one with a doctor? Are you going to be with another resident? And then kind of ha compare that to how, what you want. What do you want out of the program? Um, my program was kind of thrown in with the residents, so we went to their didactics, um, we did simulations with them, all that kind of thing. So find out, is it separate? Is it with the residents? Um, and kind of compare each one. Ours was a newer program and didn't have a lot of specifics just for the PAs, which I wish would have been different. Um, you know, they, they did ultrasound sessions, for, which were very helpful, but sometimes it's like, I wish you would have taken us a step backwards because we haven't had our hands on the ultrasound as much as the residents. And it wasn't, you know, completely over our heads, but we just wanted to start with more of the basics. So it wasn't geared as much to us as we would have liked. So maybe if the program had specific, you know, lectures for PAs or specific sessions just for you, that could be helpful. Not, I'm not completely sure what other programs do, but that was just ours. Ours was very much just thrown in with the residents, and we learned right alongside them, which was great, because then we did things that were um, very challenging, like oral mock boards for third-year residents, um, <laughs> which was scary, <laughs> or just being thrown in the simulations alongside a third-year resident, too. So there are pluses and minuses to that, I think, and just hearing what each program has to offer and comparing them will be helpful. True. I, and, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people bouncing around where they want to go, what residencies are right for them. And, uh, you know, it is really about finding what's best fit for you and what you best fit and kind of how you meld together. So that, that conversation, those questions are really important. Um, on that note, a question that's pretty near and dear to my heart because I've been in a couple situations where this has been poor um, how did mentorship work? I guess more so mentorship and how did your week structure compared to somebody who was working solely as a PA and wasn't in post-grad work? Sure. So I don't think we had great mentorship at ours from the PAs themselves because like I said, we were thrown in with the residents. Um, and so there wasn't any PAs over us. The director was an MD. Um, he was very involved with lots of other things at the medical university. So he wasn't always involved with us directly. So we were kind of taken under the wing of the physician residency program director and all their faculty. And they were really great. Um, the, specifically to me, the women in the faculty group, um, just on shifts and stuff, you know, chatting things up and them suggesting books about leadership and just about women and medicine and specifically ER as, you know, we're maybe like 20-30% of the physicians and PAs are um, just women in ER. So having them take us under their wing was the, the biggest thing and not so much PA mentorship, I guess, sadly, like you said. Yeah, and that's that stinks to some extent. You definitely want more representation of your own field. Working exactly. 
But like you said, it was new, and I'm sure a lot of programs are kind of figuring that out as you go. It's tough to take somebody who's working a full caseload in a busy work week and say, hey, I also need you to lecture this brand-new graduate coming around. Yeah. Um, and they were available. We, we would pass by the PAs that worked, um, the regular PAs at NUSC. We'd pass by them and see them and say, hey, but, you know, we didn't have any get-togethers or anything with lectures or anything specific to that, which I would have enjoyed a little more of for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they'll continue to improve as people like you come through and start rocking the world and then you'll give your opinion with them as they prove yeah. and say how can improved. I can definitely say um, from my group, Roxanne stayed behind at MUSC and she kind of took over everything. So she's rocking it out there, being a leader, um, helping with the fellowship. She's like, taking in the applications herself and everything now. So she's being a rock star over there and I'm sure mentoring several people coming through. So it's changed and evolving. Yep. Um, what do you think were some of the, the things in your residency, the things you did that separate you from a new grad going into emergency medicine? Not necessarily what makes you better, but how did that postgraduate work improve your clinical direction and your clinical reasoning ability? I think I always probably circle back to just the exposure. Mm -hmm. um, again, you just won't always get that so fast at a community hospital. You've probably seen a lot less patients because you're new, but the, the fellowship is going to push you to like be at speed with the residents, see just as sick of patients as the residents. And it's okay there because you have an attending over you. Whereas you know, when I'm working my job at community hospital, I want to try to pick up the lower acuity people and let the docs take the higher acuity. And you just don't get that same exposure to higher acuity patients. Sorry, my sister is calling. Um, so definitely, you know, the higher exposure to critical patients because you're in a residency program and the doctor is comfortable because they're helping everyone around you, including the physician residents as well. That makes sense. Um, so I guess you kind of answered this earlier, but you did make a little bit of a distinction between the, the settings, if you will. But do you think all PAs, which I don't think you said this already, I think you don't believe all PAs, but let's say, are there specific specialties you think a post-grad work benefits PAs more and you should consider it if you're going into those specialties? Yeah, for sure. The more critical care specialties, ER, surgery, um, critical care for sure. Just puts you higher up. You have more to put on your resume. It's easier to get in because it's, just, it's so hard to get into these jobs without it. People don't want to take a new grad. They don't want to take someone that's been in primary care for several years. But it happens. It does. Um, but it, it, it'll just make you feel more comfortable. You're, you're dealing with patients that are very high acuity and their lives are sometimes really on the line. So it'd be very helpful to have a few years of residency or one year of residency in your pocket. Can't argue with that. Experience is worth its weight in gold, right? Oh, yeah. So what should somebody starting in emergency medicine post-grad work, what should they expect day one? You know, we tried to shadow. We were like, let's shadow a couple times before, um, trying to get our feet wet a little bit because they literally just start you out. Here you go. Go see patients. And it's scary at first. 
Um, but that's the only way you're going to learn. So I think it sounds like, oh, I'm taking care of these patients on my own day one, but you're not. Um, you have the attending physician there who wants to hear a presentation just kind of like you were doing when you were um, a student. So, you know, you are a provider now, but you can kind of still think of it as being a student in some way. Um, they're not going to let you immediately make all the decisions on your own. You'll kind of grow with that, um, but expect to, you know, go see your first patient on your own and come back, present it, and then type up your own note, put in your own orders and be ready to say the decisions you're going to make. And if they're right or wrong, the attending will tell you. <laughs> You'll learn quick. Yeah, I'm sure some make you learn a little quicker than others. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some are a little harsher than others, too. <laughs> it's a part of it. It takes all kinds, right? That's right. So um, as we're drawing closer to the end here, uh, I'd like you to speak on what resources you use throughout your postgrad work that set you up for success. Sure. So um, I would say I definitely use up-to-date the most. It was just kind of what I used through school, and then I immediately went to it in residency. I logged tons of hours for CME through that. Then I picked up MRAP, which is um, a really good podcast all the physician residents use. Um, they have very like helpful and entertaining podcasts you can listen to on your way to work um, that are super great. And they have some online resources, too, that I don't use as much. I did buy Tintinali's emergency medicine book, but I have to say it stays in my backpack. <laughs> <laughs> I pull it out for, like, the rabies dosing and all of that, but that's about it. <laughs> and then I recently picked up on wikiem.org, which is kind of set up just like Wikipedia, and it's very bullet points, straight to the point, so you don't have to circle through all those paragraphs, like, up to date if you're just wanting know the one word answer real quick or the one medication you want to give real quick it's really helpful to scan through and look i'm the last one to oppose wikipedia i think that's how i got through 90 percent of my undergraduate work <laughs> so great work. just gotta scroll real quick you find your answer <laughs> <laughs> that's it um well mariah we're kind of wrapped up here um before i let you go though we like on this show to have our guests speak to one to two pearls of wisdom they would give to PA students, aspiring uh, postgraduate students, or maybe PA uh, professionals that have been working for a couple years. I mean, just kind of what's your take on, on that? Yeah, so both of mine came from school. I would say that when another person raises their hand and they answer the question and you don't know the answer at all, do not be hard on yourself. You know, you know a question that you could raise your hand for that they don't know either. So we always just answer the questions we know, and you're kind of comparing yourself too much when you say, you know, I don't know that question, and I don't know as much as that person, but they don't know things you don't know either. So just don't compare yourself that way. It makes it harder for everybody, and you know a great amount of stuff, and you're going to do great too. And then the other thing I would say is, it's not about what specialty or what job you get, but really the people you work with because, you know, you're going to be communicating, working alongside them day in and day out, and it just matters who you're surrounded by. Make sure it's good people and try to really make sure of that when you go through the interview process, not just picking a job because it sounds cool or you make a lot of money, but because you're passionate about it and the people around you are too. Truer words have never been spoken. I'll tell you what, <laughs> beat a big paycheck every time. 
Uh, well, Mariah, thank you so much for coming on and joining us on PA Pod. And to everybody listening out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'm excited for you to join us in another couple of weeks. Thanks, James.